0: This morning we're going to continue in in our uh, series um, called The Gospel at Work. And I'm really excited. I've been excited about this series. I told you that um, the last few weeks. But I'm really excited because this is very practical stuff in Christianity. And and, and, uh, honestly, I'll tell you that, um, and we're going to get into what we're talking about today in a sec, but um, I've been so excited about today's message um, of all of them. And God's so good. His word never returns void. I mean, that's just God honoring himself through his word. I believe that it's not about me or family Bible, it's just God is faithful um, to proclaim his good news to the nations, and we get to be part of that, and that's awesome. Uh, I don't know if you had an opportunity this week, and we, with all the crazy weather, our group got canceled, but we canceled our group, it didn't pass. passive, we chose to do that, um, but did you think about how you interact with your, your job this week? Um, did some of you maybe consider if, if, if your job is, is too important in your life? You know, it's like an idol for you. We talked about that last week. Or, or maybe um, some of us are sitting around and twirling our thumbs and not really being productive at work. Have you, did you think about that this week and think, what could I do to be more productive? What, what could I do to um, be faithful to my employer or my boss in a way that would honor Jesus? That was the challenge this week, and I hope that you took that seriously to, to examine your life. I, I don't know if you're like me, ma'am. If, if I start looking at my life, honestly, th- through the lens of eternity and the lens of the holy God, I just feel like, oh, there's so much work to do. I have so much to learn and so much to grow into in Jesus. I don't know if that's true for you guys or not. I hope we're growing more like him each day in everything, and that would include in our work. Um. I, I, we're going to talk this week about, the, the title is Jesus, Others, and Yourself, but it's really this, I, I could have, I'll title it like, um, your next job, you know, or uh, uh, the thing that's coming next for you. I'll tell you a quick story if you'll indulge me for a minute. Um, I've been fired one time in my life. Has anyone been fired before? Yeah? Good, good company then. You know, it happens, right? You get, and you know, we always have like nice ways to put it. Um, I think they told me I was being laid off. Um, some of you, that means, that you know, it's a seasonal job, so you're laid off. That wasn't true for me. I wasn't coming back, <laughs> you know. Uh, you're laid off, but we're not going to rehire you kind of a thing. Um, and uh, as much as I try to couch it in words that, that could try to disguise the hurt and the difficulty that time, uh, the truth is it was like somebody hit me in the head with a board, you know. I mean, everything I've been doing was going this direction. And uh, I actually, I, you may have heard this before, but I always told people, I felt like I was playing the best chess game of my life. I was moving and shaking. I was in the right spot. I had, I had gotten a job above my my educational level. I had gotten myself into a spot where I was really doing well for myself and my family. And I wasn't, I wasn't scamming anybody. I was doing the work, but I was, I was really out on the edge. And uh, the problem with being on the edge is sometimes that whenever, you know, things go wrong, boy, you get cut, right? <laughs> like that. Uh, I kind of preached about my employer that they didn't, they didn't play games about, they said, we're letting you go. Um, this requ- it's necessary. And it wasn't just me, it was a bunch of people. But here's what struck me. And I, I may have told you all this before, so, you know, if so, I apologize for being redundant here, but um, I, I was called down to the, uh, the CEO's office, was our division manager, whatever, big wig, big, big salary, more zeros than me. And, uh, and anytime you get called in there, <laughs> you know, unless you're like the number two guy or girl, you know what I mean? You, you, something's up. <laughs> that was my suspicion going in. But I sat down, and I remember, and the HR was there, so that's the second, that's the second marker. Something's about to change in your life, okay, when HR is there. And uh, I sat down that chair, and I, and I heard, like, the first three words, like, we're going to have to let you go. And then I just heard, like, the brrr, this buzz. And this internal voice began to play in my head. And you know what it said? It said something like this. You've always said, y- you're more than this job. You've always said, you're a husband, you're a father, you're a man. I wasn't a Christian at the time. I wasn't. But that's all I could st- take stock in that moment was I was a husband, a father. And, and everything that I had promised, everything I'd been working toward was taking, been taken away in a moment, in an instant, through, you know, no, no fault of my own, no direct action of my own. And I, and I felt this internal struggle of like, man... Uh, what's my life going to be about, right? Funny story. I was in church the morning before, just like you are today. And the pastor kind of said, hey, if there's something going wrong in your life, and I had nothing going wrong in my life. I mean, nothing. Beautiful wife, beautiful kids, great salary, great job. And it changed in a day. And and, and it's that kind of thing, that kind of reality that we live into that, that I think that this topic helps us wrestle with. Is our life bigger than our current job? Is our life bigger than our, the work we're currently doing? Do we have some long-term view of what God is doing in our life? That, and, that, and you know, by the grace of God, actually my being fired led to my coming to know Christ as Savior, and not directly wasn't like, oh, I'm out of a job, so I'm going to pray for Jesus to save me. That wasn't it at all. It was that God created this beautiful time and space in my life that I could be honest with myself and Him and recognize that I am a sinful man. I'm broken and flawed and screwed up, and I'm living for all the wrong things. And I was able to repent and believe the gospel and then have a whole new life in Christ. Everything changed in that moment, and if you guys know me, i told you privately, it's really true, everything changed. How I dealt with my employers, how I negotiated salaries, and that's what we're going to talk about today, um, and I'm super excited to get into this uh, topic, so um, I'm going to ask that you would um, do what we always do, and you would invite, you, you would, uh, we've prayed already this prayer and song that the Holy Spirit would fall, but we would be... Uh, Teach taught by Him today. Wherever you are in your life, man, I don't know where you are, but God knows where you are. And my prayer this morning is that He would teach you right where you are what you need to know today. So pray with me if you would. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather before you and worship you. We do not take that for granted. It is a gift of grace to us that we could even proclaim the gospel, that we could even know enough to know your son Jesus. And that is a gift from you that we claim no right to we don't act like we figured it out we just confess that you saved us in spite of our sin and you revealed us through the power of your spirit in spite of our seeking after you and father today now that we know you and we hear the gospel and we believe we begin to believe the truth that you have something for us i pray that we would have eyes and ears focused on you today and that maybe some things that we've always thought you would change and maybe the things that, that we've never thought we would believe for the first time, that you would transform us. Our prayer is eternal and powerful and that we want to be changed forever. We recognize our own brokenness and the brokenness of this world. And we want to be different. Would you help us say to be different? We'll trust you with it because only you can do it. In Jesus' name, amen. So the idea today we're going to talk about is how we can find the most joy in work. How you can find the most joy in work. And uh, we're going to get this from one particular verse of Scripture. I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 22. Um, if you brought a Bible, you know where that's at probably. And if you didn't, it's on, you can grab one of ours. It's on page 692 of the Bibles at the end of the chair rows. And this is going to be the key verse for today. It's going to lay out the whole kind of plan. And we're going to walk through this in... in very practical detail today, I hope, um, for God's uh, plan for us in work or how we can more appropriately follow a plan for how we choose our job. all right Matthew 22 verses 24. Wait a minute. Bear with me, bear with me. Are you guys ready? It's Matthew 22. Verses 34 through 39. See there? Stay on my toes up here. Got to be real about this. Here we go. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. There was a couple groups of holy guys there. All right. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is Jesus' response to the most important thing we are called to obey, right? You've heard this before? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength right? Love your neighbor as yourself. In, in this v- verse of Scripture, and you can write that at the top of your sheet. It wasn't on the sheet. I appreciate that uh, input as well. Write it at the top so you can look at it later if you want. Jesus kind of gives us a vision for what our lives are to be about. And I don't know if we ever consider a passage like that when we think about what we do with our job, in our jobs, our work. What do we do? But, but Jesus says, hear the commands then. Hear the commands. Love God with everything that you have and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, there's a three-step, three-step progression that we see here in this text. And it goes this way. It goes, God, others, and yourself, right? That's the order, and, and, and we believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. And so the great way to remember this, and I told you a minute ago, that a way you can find joy in your work, and I had someone else that preached this one time, and I was just really blessed by it, and I continue to be blessed by it, is how you find joy is by serving Jesus, others, and yourself, in that order. It's counterintuitive in our culture of me, but that's what we, we find. So Jesus, others, and yourself, or Jesus, others, and you. Um, so now we're going to do, we're going to kind of build three layers, if you will, and uh, it's going to be these, um, these, this kind of uh, st- stacking or, you know, uh, of, a, of a model for how we can choose our next job, and, and again, I'll say, we're going to be very specific this morning, but it's a model of how we can choose, and it's going to be these three layers we just talked about, Jesus, others, and yourself, Okay? Um, we're going to work from the bottom up, which is unusual. So if you have an engagement with this morning, and I hope you have one, we're going to start at the bottom and work our way toward the top, okay? So we're not going to start at the top and go down like we normally do, and we're going to walk through each of these, each of these principles. And the first one I'm going to share with you this morning is to honor Jesus as king. That's what we're called to do in our work, to honor Jesus as king. We've been talking about that since the series started, but I want to share with you a verse of scripture, and they're actually on your sheets and also on the screens, and we're going to look at, Um, Matthew chapter 6. So if you're in Matthew, still turn back a few uh, pages to chapter 6. This is a great uh, bit of Scripture. Man, you know, the Scripture is so powerful in our lives, and when we get caught up in the, the mess, the ruckus, the confusion of living our life, I cannot tell you how awesome it is how Scripture redirects us toward God and the gospel, toward the truth of the Scriptures. And uh, this has come to me so many times in my own life, and I'm sure um, it may have come to you in your life as well. But uh, here it is Jesus is speaking in verse 25 of chapter 6 and says this Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you will wear. I want to stop a second. Therefore, why? He says, Because you're going to serve one master, you're going to serve God or money. So choose who you're going to serve. That's what he says. And therefore, because you're going to have a master, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is life not more than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or weep or store in barns. And yet the heavenly Father, your heavenly Father, feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See lilies of the field and how they grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon, that's King Solomon, by the way, in all of his splendor, this is Jesus speaking, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field. What a beautiful phrase. Which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you of you you little faith? So don't worry saying, "What what shall we drink or what shall we wear? The pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I'm going to give you six questions to say that you can ask about your current job or your next job that will that will help you to build this foundation of a life in Christ, right? A more joy-filled work. And the first question is this does remember we're going with the bottom up right does my work honor god does my work honor god and this idea comes from our very creation narrative right we were created in god's image and he is a creative god work was given to us in the garden before sin was in the world and so does the things we choose to put our hands to does it honor god intrinsically I love this verse of Scripture because we have a tendency to get caught up in the stuff of our work, in the opportunities or whatever, and we don't think about that fundamental question. Is this about God coming first? This verse in particular for me has always been a blessing because of anxiety. When I get anxious about my current employment, my next employment, my My car payment, my house, my family eating, whatever it is, you know, um, from the most important to the most trivial things are kind of encaptured in this verse where he says, no, 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 no. Don't run after all the things of this world like everyone else. Instead, seek first God's kingdom. And what else? God's righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Does our job honor God? Or do we seek to honor God through our work? How how many of us would just, our lives would completely change if we would reorient ourselves away from this kind of um, outcome mentality that we have to know that we would just be faithful in the work, that God would be honored through the work? Here, Jesus teaches directly. What a powerful, powerful um, teaching. That we are to honor God's kingdom first. Seek first his kingdom. And all these things will be added to you. This should give us some confidence in some bigger picture, even if we're getting fired or hired or working a job we've had for years. That we can, through our faithful efforts, I want to say a couple things about this, by the way, um, honor God in our work. Now, I said to you a minute ago, we're all created in God's image. I believe that's true for each person here today. No matter what you see in the mirror, you're created in the image of God, right? And that does mean that there are going to be jobs that will make a lot of money, perhaps, that might be lucrative, that as people we can't, as, as creations of God, we can't be involved with. Does it degrade humanity? Does it, does it directly harm a brother or sister I don't know what it you would think of for you, but there are ways you can make uh, you know, income that aren't God-honoring in the way that you defile the image of God in another. And we can get really philosophical about where that's at, but there's, some, there's just some real fundamental ways. You know what I mean? Taking an advantage of another human life. Abusing someone. Not recognizing their full uh, humanity, their full image, uh, the full image that they have of God in their creation. So there are some jobs we fundamentally can't do, and that's not a problem for most of us, but it could be, you know? You know why it could be a problem for most of us? Because God saves sinners, (laughs) right? (laughs) God saves sinners, man. That means that you might have people that come out of some sketchy backgrounds that can't go back to work. As a believer in Jesus, it's different, ain't it? That's the first question. Seek first God's kingdom then, all right? The second question is this. Will my work allow me to live a godly life? These are all in the honoring Jesus category, by the way. Now, that's a little different than the first one, okay? We have commitments and priorities we have in our life that as a, as a believer in Jesus ought to be reoriented toward the kingdom. They ought to be, they ought to turn again toward God and, and his plan for us and Jesus and, and, and what he wants for us and our family. And I can tell you for a fact, and this is true for students and for parents and for, you know, adults and everyone, that there is a war for your time and attention in your life. And I don't mean war for your time and attention here at the church only, but that's true too, man. We fight for this space in your life. We, we, we try to, we hope that you come here because you're blessed, because God ministers to you through this, but there's always other opportunities. You could be doing so many other things this morning, but you're here. And for some of us, our work gets in the way of that. And we have to ask the questions, does, does my work allow me to live a godly life? A couple ways I will say um, something. A few things about this. Uh, so we have a commitment to God Himself. I believe we have a commitment to worship God with our life, and that don't that don't mean just on church on Sundays. It means live a worshipful life, right? Um, having time for devotions, having time to read Scripture, having time to pray, to sing our own songs to God apart from the community. But it also does mean joining with the community to sing songs, finding a place and time to worship. Um, and then we have this commitment to our family that is a godly life. We have to make sure that um, our work doesn't step all over our other commitments. That, that because, and I told you last week, man, work is a terrible God. And that is true. And it will demand more and more and more of you, irrespective of your convictions, until you say, no, this matters more. I won't, and I'm not going to tell you what that is, but I won't do X, Y, or Z. Because I have convictions I'm not going to do that. Does your work allow you um, to, um, to live a godly life? One of the um, great uh, illustrations I, I have experienced from this is, I think I've t- told you about this before, but there's this small book by Andy Stanley called uh, Choosing to Cheat. And uh, he basically makes the premise you're going to cheat on somebody in your life. He doesn't mean infidelity in marriage, by the way, so don't be discouraged, you know. You, you are capable of being faithful as a husband or wife. Uh, but he means that you're going to shortchange somebody because there's not enough of us to go around. We're human, we're finite. And so he says, this is the great, one of the great principles he says, is um, don't, don't give up your irreplaceable uh, jobs for your replaceable jobs, right? How many of us would say, well, you know, I'd like to be home with my family, but I have to work. And we justify this in our mind. Now, occasionally, once in a while, yeah, things happen, right? But day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, wait a minute, at some point you go, this isn't a godly life anymore. I don't don't care how productive it makes me feel. I don't care how significant I feel. I don't care how much I'm earning or how much I'm providing, providing to my family, I'm cheating them out of me. Why? To serve an employer who could replace you with somebody else. Where is the place in your life you're not replaceable? He does a great job in that book of sin. Man, you've got to spend time there. Everything else will work itself out, but you've got to spend time where you're not replaceable. And that's um, as a, a friend, as a husband or wife, as a mother or father. And of course, um, in our relationship with God, Which, you know, it's funny because that's like portable, right? But some of those things aren't, man. We have to be there. Does our work allow us to live a godly life? Okay. There's a great verse, and I love this, by the way. I told you a minute ago that God saves sinners, right? There's a great verse in Ephesians. One of My favorites, I'll say. You know, I love all scripture, but I love this. It says, uh, he who has been stealing must steal no more. This is the transformation of the gospel message right here. Thieves among you. I remember one time we went to another church, and they said, don't lay down your purse anywhere. I didn't have my purse that day. <laughs> Chris did. They said, don't leave your purse, because someone might steal it here, right? We're that kind of church, you know? Here's the instruction. He who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands so that he might have something to share with those in need. You see, you have to be able to live a godly life. You go, well, man, I make a lot of money stealing stuff, right? No, not honor God doesn't benefit anyone else. And we talked last week even about that idea of laziness being a form of imposing on others, not being willing to live into our giftedness, all right? Does it let us? What a great opportunity we have in this, okay? The the next question then is, um, uh, does, now this one struck me, and this one shocked me, okay? So we're still building this honoring Jesus foundation. Are you with me? You ready? (laughs) Uh, does my work allow me to provide for my family and bless others? That one surprised me. Because if you can imagine, we're going to go from the most important things to the least pressing issues of our job, all right? And this is in the honoring Jesus. And I go, wait a minute, dude. Because Jesus has said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about it. Seek first his kingdom. That's true. But there's another passage of Scripture, and I want to share it with you. And by the way, if I can get a plug in here, um, for men's Bible studies, we've been doing uh, several studies. We've been doing First and Second Timothy. This is going to be 1 Timothy here. I'm going to share it with you. But uh, what a powerful opportunity for men to consider Scripture together. Uh, Tuesday mornings and Tuesday evenings we get together for Bible studies, and it's great, great time. This is what Paul writes. He says, give the people these instructions to so that no one may be open to what? Blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith, and he's worse than an unbeliever. Paul writes that to Timothy. You've got to take care of your family. If you don't take care of your family, you're worse than an unbeliever. And you, you go, wait a minute now, that's, is that out of context? bill that's a fair question have you read that it's talking about taking care of the widows in the church the aged who's supposed to be responsible for them and paul says no listen if you're not taking care of your folks if you're not taking care of your kids if if you're if you're um, a, a husband and not taking care of your family you're worse than an unbeliever but it doesn't come at the cost of everything else. So these three, you have to keep kind of intention here, right? Seek first God's kingdom, yes. But we have to provide for our families. We have to, that has to matter to us. And like I said, I was struck by that. You know, I, I have a tendency, and I'll be honest with you guys, I have a tendency to say, hey man, we'll just follow Jesus and let everything else work itself out. But I read that and I was like, wow. If, if I'm not able to provide for my family, am I dishonoring Jesus in my choice of work? Or are you, if you're not willing to live into what God has provided, opportunities he's given you, it definitely means financial provision. No doubt about it. But it means more than that, and I'll tell you. It, it, also, it does mean financially providing, but also means, here it is, and this, you know, there's a really broken thing we call, like, work-life balance. That's, a, that's an anomaly. Man, we have a life. We have one life to live, right? That's it. You know, nothing else. And, um, and it's not, it's, but it, it, the balance is about finding the spot where we can serve God and our family in a way that works, right? Um, for, for him and for them. And, and that might mean that you don't take a job that pays as much so you can be home for dinner. It might mean that you live on a budget so you can afford all of your bills and not make as much money. Or it might mean that you need a better job that pays more money so you can provide for your family. And you, you, there's no way to get around but to wrestle with those things. But the last thing we want to do as believers is dishonor Christ in the name of, of our own you know, uh, misaligned convictions about who we are or what we're called to do. I was just struck by that. I don't know if that challenged you at all, but man, you know. And by the way, not just that our work would provide for our family, ourselves and our family, but that we could then bless others, right? You see it with the thief. You don't just work so you can feed yourself finally. You work so you can feed yourself and help someone else out so that you have something to share. What a beautiful image we have from scripture So all these become the fundamental things that we must get right and work. Now, here's the beautiful thing about this. If you're thinking about the job market, there's a lot of jobs that qualify. I mean, there's a lot of jobs that do fit these categories, right? That you could provide for your family, and you could honor God, and you could have a godly life. But maybe not the kind of work we want. All right. So we're going to move on then to the second tier here. So that's the base level. The second tier is this, um, that we would serve others that we would, or help others. I love the simplicity of the language to to help others. Um, And we're going to, we're going to ask a couple more questions here. Uh, The first is this, and that's a great question, is does my job, my work, benefit society as a whole somehow? I mean, is what I'm doing going to make a difference, right? One thing you can think of is we're kind of working ourselves out in concentric circles from our our Jerusalem. Do you know what I mean? Where God's given us the most authority and the most uh, uh, responsibility. Our family and our friends our networks. But then we get into the bigger worldview and we say, man, are we helping anybody else beyond our own family? Is there a benefit to the society being, being, uh, um, you know, through our work? And you might not have an easy way to do that, connect what you're doing with what's happening in the world. But I would encourage you to think about that as well. Once you've got those other things down, then, is what I'm doing making a difference? Is it, is it ultimately uh, having a benefit on the culture at large or, or uh, my community, perhaps? Um, is it making a difference? I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the uh, book of Philippians. Um, Philippians, it's on your sheets there. Chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. And uh, we get... You know, we have no better model than Jesus. I mean, that's just the, you're going to hear it over and over again in church life. There's no better model than Jesus. And I'm actually not going to read five through I'm going to read one. I want you to hear the um, opening of this uh, second chapter of Philippians as well. Paul says this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, I think all of us do, Any comfort from his love or any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Now check out verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Very clearly stated there. That our primary responsibility is not just to want what's best for us, you see, but w- want good things for others. And is what I'm doing serving society? Is it helping someone else? Is it doing something beneficial? Why? Verse 5, your attitude and my attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Man, now here comes the model, right? Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself, what? Nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant or a slave and being made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a man, he he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I mean, Jesus took this ridiculous trip from all-powerful authority over everything, spoke. I mean, you can't get your head around the reality of the journey Jesus took. To come from speaking the worlds into existence to coming to being born and dying at the hands of his creation— But what? This is, our, this is the model to change everything. To change everything. Jesus came and gave his life. You must recognize that and <laughs> um, you can go for a while, you know, on the next thing that kind of keeps you going, but eventually you need to connect your story to a bigger story to something bigger than yourself. Your life's got to matter more than that. It's got to be more than a job. There's no greater story than the gospel. I mean, let's be honest. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater than that. So we connect in the same way with this realization that being in the same mind of Christ, who would humble himself even to the point of death, deny himself even to the point of death, so that others would be bene- would benefit from his sacrifice I mean this begins to be a model um, that we can follow in our work does my job benefit society all right um, the second thing is this uh, does and, and here this is a good one does my work use my unique gifts and talents so we're in the second tier still right does my work make use of my unique gifts and talents maybe education level <laughs> you know what I mean um, But look at that. Is it necessary? It's not necessary. I hate to break it to you. It's not. I remember one time I was sitting with a, a young uh, couple and they were talking about their lives. And I said, what are you going to do? And they're like, man, we're just going to follow our dreams and all this stuff. But they weren't, they were really a, a, a burden to everyone around them. I'm not trying to be mean here, but like their parents were still paying their bills. And, you know, they were going to, I mean, there's just no reality in this. And, uh, and, and they were like really visionary about it. They're like, don't you get it, man? We've got to follow our dreams. You know, I'm like, don't you think everyone wants to follow their dreams, dude? You've got to pay your bills. Then follow your dreams, you know what I mean? Like, there's a pecking order here. How crazy would it be if we walked by all the opportunity God gave us because we're waiting to follow our dreams? I remember one time a friend of mine was looking for work, and he said, man, I just got to find a job. I just got to find a job. And I'm like, dude, why don't you start serving where you are? Why don't you take full use of the opportunities God gave you? I'm not being mean here, by the way. We talk about family biology church sometimes. We say, man, we want something else. And the question is always, are we using everything God gave us already? Let's use that up first. And then go on to what God has next for us. Unique calling or giftedness or whatever, you know? Uh, we think that's, sometimes we think that's absolutely essential. No, I, I, I'm, I'm above that. I, I couldn't do that. I have a degree. No. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> you know? Do it. You got people to take care of, namely yourself, others around you. Be a blessing to somebody. Not required do, do they make use of my unique talents. I love this, man. We're going to share. Um, We've got two more to go here. All right, you with me? Um, we're going to share from, oh, I went one slide too far. I'm going to ask you to turn there to First uh, Corinthians 3. Check it out with me. Oh, Paul says this crazy deal here. Paul says, by the way, Paul, is there a better dude in church life? Like, this guy is it, right? He wants somebody to chase after him. Paul's the man. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. This is what Paul says. After all, what is Apollos? Now, Apollos was a rival of Paul. Just so you know, these two dudes were chasing Jesus, and they were competing together, and there was some, you know, scuttlebutt going on. But he says, after all, what is Apollos? And wait a minute, what is Paul? What's so special about us? We're only servants through whom you came to believe. Look, he includes, look at this. He includes Apollos. We are only servants, the both of us, through whom you came to believe the gospel, right? As the Lord has assigned, wait, listen to the scripture this morning, each his task. I told you last week, this God-shaped hole, this thing you're going to live into, man, this spot that God has for you in his plan. As the Lord has assigned each to his task, He says this, I planted the seed and Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but God who makes things grow. What? Is everything. God is everything. The man who plants, the man who waters, have but one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his labor. Look at verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. I... We are co-workers with God. That's crazy to me right there. You are God's field. You are God's building. Paul says, what are are we? Who are we? You know, Paul, the great orator, the great thinker, right? The great debater, the Holy Spirit-filled crusader, you know what I mean? And, And this guy, and he says, who am I? What's so special about Paul. Sometimes we think, oh no, our, our stuff, ha- we have to be, you know, use all of our gifts and talents all the time. I wonder if Paul felt that way when he was like putting up tents or cellar, you know, doing common labor. I wonder if he was like begrudging about that. Or did he say, no, this, I'm using everything I got for God's glory. Does, does my work, is it good if your work uses your unique talents? Yeah, absolutely. Is it great if you work in your field? It's a miracle. If you work in your, in your major study field, that's a miracle, <laughs> you know, really. Um, but is it required? Absolutely. No, it's not. It's not. Man, we get to be co-workers with God in this world. That's a beautiful idea right there. I want you to notice one thing, and we're going to this last point. Um, these things don't overrule then, the foundational requirements. Right? of honoring God, living a godly life, and providing for our family. They, they don't. And, and so it's a, nice, it's a nice thing to have, but it's not a requirement. And then the last, the tippy-tippy top. And it's not tippy-top because it's like, it's the last place that you're going to be working on or worried about or whatever. And I already showed you the slide. It's going to be you. This is where we end. You. Is the work something that I want to do? Right? It's the last question you ask: Do I want to do it? And you know the crazy thing about that is that's usually the first and only question we ever ask: Is this good for me? Have you done that? I mean, I've done that. Is it good for me? I'll turn one more time to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter twenty. Let's be our last verse today. Matthew 20, to 28, corrective from Jesus here. He says, Jesus called them together, and Jesus says this, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you, and it is not how it's supposed to be. It's not about you. Instead, whoever wants to become the greatest among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must become your slave. Look, here's the model. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I told you the story before. The gospel story is that Jesus came to give his life for us. And the highest mark of a disciple is someone who, who serves himself last. Like me, last. And that's a hard thing. And uh, I don't know if you struggle with that, man. I struggle with that, that so much. Um, so what happens then? So if we put all these things together, this is, we end up with this kind of model, right? Honoring Jesus as king, serving others, and then you, the truth is, though, and what, what I think, I think this is a great uh, illustration of what happens if we ask that question first, do I want to do this? And then I become the, the, the point of everything, and everything else can just fit in wherever it happens to work out. And everything else just kind of comes, and we wonder, man, why is our life so full of gaps? Why is it so crazy? Why doesn't it make any more sense than this? But if you follow a biblical model, we're doing it all wrong. We're doing it all wrong. The model looks more like this, that we honor Jesus for our life, man, and all of us can do that. I mean, I don't care where you are today. I don't care what, you know, you can honor Jesus in your life wherever you are. Find a way to do it. If you believe in him as Savior, man, pray about that. How can I honor you every day of my life? How can I make sure my life aligns with your principles? How can I finally take a stand and say, I'm not going to do this anymore? I'm not going to ignore the place I, I can only, be, only I can serve. Or maybe not caring for your family enough to take care of them. Right? And then we ask, can we serve someone else? And the final question is, do I want to do it or not? Is it good for me? It's antithetical. Believe me, I get it, man. I get it. This is the opposite of what the world says. But this is what I, I've been stru- struck to find in Scripture. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me if you would. This is a God-sized thing, man, so I don't pretend to control this that we would seek him and, and his wisdom and all these things. Pray with me if you would. Father, uh, today I thank you so much for your presence here with us. I thank you for the reality that you've, you've brought us into this world for a purpose. I thank you that you've made us in your own image, and you knit us together in our mother's womb. Scripture is so full, of the truth of who we are in you. I pray today that maybe for the first time we start to think in a big way about what we're here for. Who would you call us to serve? How would you call us to love? Father, for those that don't even recognize you as God and say that you're worthy of honor, I pray that you would just um, deal with them individually, not in a harsh way. You're so loving to us. Even when, even when you break us, Father, it's for love. I pray, Father God, that they would uh, know and see the full totality of the gospel. And it wouldn't be a convincing of a man, but it would be the, the uh, orientation of your Holy Spirit in their life. They would just sense your reality in every way. Father God, we we confess that we make other things more important than you and and we uh, seek other kingdoms first, namely our own. We do. We we want what we want first. Would you forgive us for our sin, Father? Forgive us for our failures and trespasses in that. And today maybe we can reorient ourselves toward you for the work that only you can do and for the way that only you can do it. I pray that we would surrender our lives to you. Give it over again today. In Jesus' name, amen.